I'll be reading from first chapter of John, starting at verse 5. All right. I'm going to shut it down. We got to make adjustments. So bear with us. If I could get that off. All right. Y'all with me? I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35. And the text reads as follows. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this. And they follow Jesus. And they follow Jesus. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word. Father God, I come before you uh, humbly uh, for this privilege to do so. Lord God, I pray that you would bind any distractions that may take away from what you have to say today. Lord God, help me to, to, to understand and to focus on the fact that John understood what his purpose was, was to prepare the way for the Savior, and the disciples followed Jesus as a result of John's direction. So I pray that that would be uh, uh, the goal here this morning, the outcome, that the saints will have a closer walk with you as a result of hearing your word this morning. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. The title of today's message is Conflict. Conflict. Conflict is something that all of us are familiar with, right? You're going to have uh, conflict as you're doing life, as you're walking with the Lord, as you're rubbing shoulders with other people. You are bound to have some level of conflict. That conflict may come in the form of uh, a conflict on the job. You may have conflict uh, uh, at school. You may have conflict even at home. And guess what, saints? You may even have conflict here at the church. Shut your mouth, Deacon Savage. Not at the church. We may have conflict at the church. Are you kidding me? Because here's the deal. I'm, a, I'm probably the only one that will own this. Church people are real funny acting sometimes. We can, we, can have, we can be real quirky. Nobody's going to own that, right? We could get in the conflict over the color of the carpet. Some people might want blue. Some people might want purple. Somebody might come out of left field and say, hey, I want orange carpet. Get out of here. Now we got division. We got conflict. And this is something we have to deal with. These things come up because we got a lot of quirks, hang-ups. And I'm at the front of the class when it comes to being quirky. My wife, the leadership, they will tell you I got a lot of hang-ups. And one of my hang-ups is, is that I don't get a whole lot of sleep. I may get maybe four to five hours of sleep a day, a night. And I like to have those four to five hours of sleep uninterrupted. And so when I'm rooming with some of the brothers, they like to do some things. I ain't going to call no names. But they like to do some things that, that, that get in the way of my rest 
and it causes conflict. Peter's looking at me over here, so I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna stand and look at Kevin. <laughs> but it causes conflict. And we and we love each other dearly. And it was one period where we almost came to blows because they was interrupting my sleep. So I'm down to only two board members that I could actually share a room with now. Out of conflict. We have conflict. But here's what I want to tell you. I love those brothers dearly. I doesn't take away the love. I would go to war with those guys and put my name on any one of them any day. Great men of God. But here's the thing. I want to tell you that conflict is not a bad thing if it's handled the right way. It's not a bad thing. And then I'll also, I'll even go as far as saying that conflict is actually necessary. It's necessary because here's the thing, conflict gives us the opportunity to exercise some of those relationship muscles, right? That love, that forgiveness, that humility. The only way you get to really know <laughs> and exercise those muscles is going through some stuff, button heads sometimes. So it's not always a bad thing. So before we jump into the text, I want to give you three things, three cards that I want you to hold in your mind as we start to, to jump into the text and look at this area of conflict. Number one is this. Number one is conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. You know, there are some people that look for trouble and look to be in arguments all the time, and it's just kind of their makeup, but you don't have to go looking for conflict. It's going to come. Just let it happen naturally. Don't get bent out of shape when it does happen or surprised by it because conflict is what? It's inevitable. It's going to come. The second thing, the second card I want you to hold is that conflict can be very healthy. It can be very healthy if handled the right way. And it leads me to the third card that I want you to hold is that conflict will strengthen and deepen and grow your relationship if it's handled the right way. And see, this morning, we want to take a look at two church leaders, two men of God that had conflict, that had disagreement, and how this thing shook out. So if you could turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 15, our brothers Paul and Barnabas had a major, major conflict. And the text reads as follows in Acts chapter 15. It says this, start at verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John Mark, John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them at Pamphylia and had not gone with them to do to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other because Barnabas took, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord and went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This was a major disagreement between these brothers. And here's the facts. I can't uh, uh, go past to mention this. Don't start isogeting the text. We don't have the actual dialogue between both Paul uh, and Barnabas. Well, here's what we do know. We do know that the, the argument was about John Mark. Barnabas wanted to take him. Paul didn't because 
uh, uh, John Mark had left those brothers when they were on the first missionary journey. But here's what I want to do before we begin to analyze this any, any further. We want to do a biblical autopsy. We want to go back and take a look at what was going on and kind of get a picture of what's happening uh, on their missionary journey and the start of it. And we see that in chapter 13. If you could turn your Bibles to chapter 13, here's what, what's going on. So we both know, we all know Paul's history. Paul come, becomes a believer. He goes in, he starts preaching the word. He's with the brothers. He's now with the disciples and he's doing ministry and all these things. In chapter 13, it picks up. He comes. This is where it picks up. It says this. It says, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for, Bar for, for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. These brothers were called by God to go out and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel and primarily their focus was to the Gentiles. They were taking the message to the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit. This was an exciting stuff that was happening here. The text goes on to read, it says, For being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia, and from there they, they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, uh, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John Mark to assist them. These brothers, John Mark's uh, job was basically, he was an assistant to them. He would probably handle some of the administrative things, uh, maybe run some errands and those types of things to assist the brothers while both Paul and Barnabas was doing the work of the ministry. And so this is a very exciting time. These brothers were called by God to do this, or to go on this mission. So this, I mean, it was some major stuff happening. But here's the thing I want to point out, is that when you're called by God to do his work, when you're called to do his work, whether it's here at church, in your family, at work, when you're, you're, you're trying to do a great work for the Lord, you can expect conflict. Pastor kind of mentioned this a week ago. He said opposition. You can expect that both externally and internally. So don't get bent out of shape. It is going to happen. Like I said earlier, you don't have to look for it. It's going to happen. When you are, trust me, when you're trying to live right for the Lord, and here's the thing, Satan don't have a reason to bother you if you ain't, you ain't walking with God. He got you already. But as soon as you start walking with God, you can expect opposition. You can expect conflict from the outside and the inside. And we see this. I want to point out a few things. I was like, when I was reading this, man, I wanted to get some popcorn. And just uh, I was so into this. And, man, this is exciting. This was like because Paul is just like Paul is my guy. I love Paul and I love his passion. Even name gave my son. Uh, his middle name is Paul. Just because I love that guy. And I'm, I'm looking at this text and I'm like getting excited. Because here's what the text says. Starting at verse, uh, verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician. A Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. 
and he was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elmas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them. Seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith, Paul, I'm sorry, Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is where it gets good. He looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately amidst the darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him around. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what, what, what had occurred and he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Man, I was excited reading that stuff, man. This was some good stuff. This wasn't something that was on TV. These brothers was doing some serious stuff. I said, Lord, could you give me some of that power? I would love to walk up to the White House and say, 45, you will not text, teach, or uh, tweet anymore. I would love to be able to do that. You see people doing wrong things and just say, man, I want to I just paralyze you. Stop it. Robbing that person. Now, you can't even move. Now, y'all acting like y'all y'all ain't never felt like that. Am I the only one? I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Y'all said, how dare you, Brother Savage, say that in public. I was like, I'm for real. I would love to have those kind of power. That's why the Lord hadn't given it to me. So I would be doing all kind of stuff. But Paul and Barnabas was doing some great stuff out there. This was some exciting stuff that was happening. But then we talked about that there's going to be some internal conflict right we see this play out in verse 13 start in verse 13 now Paul and his companions set sail to Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia and John left them and returned to Jerusalem it's the start of this conflict right here's the thing again I can't eisegete the text and tell you why he left it doesn't give us that. We can all, you know, come with, with thoughts about why he left. You know, these brothers were facing great opposition. There were some things that these brothers were putting their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel. They weren't, they weren't messing around. So this was serious work that they were doing. And we'll see as I highlight some of the, the other things that were happening along the way. But we don't know if he got homesick. We don't know uh, 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 what the case was, but we do know that Paul took offense to this. We do know that it rubbed Paul the wrong way and it caused conflict. <clears throat> Some of the other things that were happening. <clears throat> A great work here. Paul was preaching. They went into the synagogue. They were, he was preaching. Uh, we see this in um, the following verses. Right after verse 13, you go down to verse uh, 14 and on. Um, they start to go into the synagogue, and Paul is preaching this beautiful, beautiful message on the history of God's people and bringing the, letting the people know that it's all about Jesus. As he's going through, and he goes through this whole dialogue, and guess what happens? And we jump all the way over to 44 for a time. People were getting upset. The Jewish leaders didn't like this. 
They were like, hold on, Paul. Barnabas, they come in here. The scriptures tell us in verse 44, it said, The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Man, stuff was happening. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul and reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. They didn't stop saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas were shaking some things up. These brothers were making some things happen. And, and we talked about that internal conflict with, with John Mark taking, you know, leaving, withdrawing from the brothers. Now we got external conflict. The Jewish leaders were, they were looking to get these boys. The scriptures goes on to read, and we'll jump all the way over to verse 19 in chapter uh, 14. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. They were facing major opposition to the point of death. They thought they had killed Paul. Drugged the brother, stoned him, drug him out of the city, thought he was dead. Crazy thing, Paul got up. We don't know if he was unconscious and just, hey, just faking or what the case may be. We know the disciples got around him and the brother got up. And guess what Paul went on to do? Continue preaching the word. Say so the brother got up and they went to the next city. Let's go. How many of us would be willing to do that? We get our feelings hurt. We share the gospel and people don't want to hear it. This brother got stoned and continued to walk and was like, man, that's how focused he was. I point this out because I want you to see kind of Paul's uh, perspective on this thing and how serious he took this. This brother put his life on the line. So for him, when we look at John Mark leaving him, that was a great offense to Paul. It's like, I need soldiers with me that's going to stay the course. I don't need nobody that's going to bail on me. So Paul took person and said, man, I put my life on the line. I wasn't messing around. That's why I love this man. I love his story. Just because that Paul was a serious dude. He was a serious dude. So I point all these things out to let you know that all this stuff was happening. They were, they were, the text will go on to tell you in the, in the preceding uh, uh, verses, he was correcting doctrine. I'm talking to the people about circumcision. They were saying you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. And so Paul was straightening them out on that. He said, no, it's faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So he was straightening out doctrine. He was blinding people. There's even a point where he was he healed a crippled man. They were doing some major, major work. This is some heavy stuff, some heavy lifting that was happening here in this text. So this was, we get all the way back to chapter 15. The missionary journey there in Antioch, so Paul and them are deciding to go back out. And this is where this disagreement rears its head. Now, if I ask you all who was right and who was wrong in this case, who was right, who was wrong, I could lean either way. I could actually argue either side, me personally, but I don't think it was right or wrong. I don't think it was right or wrong. This was simply a matter of opinion, personal preference, and what have you. But here's the thing. 
it wasn't a doctrinal issue. See, when we have doctrinal issues at church, guess where we go? We go right here. <laughs> we go right here. Pastor ain't going to let you get away from this. He going to say, hey, show me in the word why you say what you say. What's your burden to proof? How do you say it? Uh, why do you say it? How does it apply to me? I know that in the back of my head. Show me in the word of God. This wasn't a doctrinal issue. Now, there were times when Paul had to correct mugs on their doctrine. Like we talked about the circumcision. He actually, there's another situation where he actually rebuked both Peter and uh, Barnabas. And you look at Galatians chapter 2. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time. But Paul called Peter out because Peter was hanging with the Gentiles, eating with them and fellowshipping with them. When his Jewish brothers came on the scene, Peter withdrew from them. Like, man, I don't know them dudes. And then Peter was like, hey, he was basically, he was telling them that they had to become, uh, 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 from Gentiles, they had to become Jews. And Paul said, no. He said, I called them mugs out to their face. And I told him he was wrong. And Paul said, hey, no, they do not have to become Jews. It is belief and faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It is the grace that is saving these brothers, just like it saved you and I. So Paul, that was a doctrinal issue. This wasn't a doctrinal issue. This, again, as I said, was a matter of personal preference. But I want to tell you, saints of God, it is these types of things that can really be divisive. These type of things could have you walk away from the church. I don't want to deal with them no more. My feelings are hurt. They didn't put the purple carpet down. I wanted purple. So-and-so wanted orange. They didn't take either one of our, our choices. And your feelings are hurt. Right? Y'all looking at me like this kind of stuff that don't happen. No, what are you talking about, Brother Savage? No, this stuff actually happened. You have church splits over these basic kinds of things about opinions, not biblical things. There are some situations where you have to leave because of that. Then I would leave. If we stop preaching the word of God, a gospel contrary to what's in here, you better get up and walk out of here because I'm gone. I'm going to tell you right now, but that ain't happening. That wasn't the case here. This was a matter of opinion. But I want you to understand something. I want you to understand something. We all have different makeups. Each one of us are different, different personalities, different makeups. You look at the board members, us men that were standing up, each one of us got a whole different personality. We got from cool to crazy, and I'm on the crazy end. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the crazy end. I'm going to put it out there because y'all be wondering, like, who are you talking about crazy? Who, who's crazy? No, I'm on the crazy end. But we all different makeups, and guess what? That's good because here's the thing I want you to know. Everybody, imagine if all y'all were like me, short, bald, and golfing, but you love Jesus. Huh? What? Kevin like, no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. The world will be real bland. So it's our personalities, our differences that, that complement each other and balances us out. So we see Paul. Paul was a very serious dude. We know his background, and he didn't, he didn't mess around. He was very serious and focused and, and was committed. He wasn't, if you sold him out and he felt that you, didn't, you weren't there with him, you weren't ride or die, as the young people would say, Paul didn't want to mess with you. He didn't want to mess with you. And, and I don't know how many of you all have had somebody desert you. 
you, you, were, you, were, you were dependent on them, and when you went to reach out to them, they weren't there for you. I got a good friend of mine. We've been friends for over 40 years. Good friend of mine. But every time I was in some kind of fist of cuffs and I was fighting, guess where he was at? I'm going to get help. I said, man, the next time I'm fighting on another occasion, I'm going to go get the police. This time, I'm actually fighting the police. And he goes, I'm going to go get your mama. He always there. And it made me feel some kind of way. So I know how Paul felt when, when John Mark turned his back on us. But then here's the, here's the thing. And again, I want to be careful to go with what's in the text and what we know from what's in the text. Barnabas. Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. We see it's recorded in Acts, I think it's chapter 4, where Barnabas actually sold a pot of land and brought it to the disciples, to the team, and said, hey, I want you to use the proceeds for the kingdom and encourage the body. And so he was always looking for the opportunity and courage. So his makeup and how he was lended himself to being one that would extend grace to other people. Give, give, give you a second chance kind of deal. If you said, man, which one of these guys going to give you a second chance without knowing any of this? Paul and Barnabas is standing there. Everybody will walk over to Barnabas. Because they knew Paul was, Paul was straight. He was rigid. But you need that. You need folk to say, hey, man, listen, you're going to be held accountable for this. So I'm not saying these things to say who's right or wrong. I'm not saying that Barnabas is right. I'm not saying that Paul is right. I'm not saying that either of them are wrong, but what I'm telling you this morning is that they needed each other. They balanced each other out, just as well as our differences balance each other out, right? And so Barnabas, we know, I could, if I could speak through his eyes for one moment, again, we're not privileged to know the actual dialogue that went on between them, but what we do know that Barnabas was the one that introduced Paul to the brethren when he first got saved. So Barnabas was like, hold up, Paul. First off, John Mark is my cousin. So that probably has some, some kind of feeling uh, uh, card uh, in there, too. Like, man, that's my cousin. Then secondly, Paul, who are you? When you were the one, when the disciples were afraid of you, they didn't believe that you, the man who was persecuting Christians, the man that gave a thumbs up to the death of Christian, uh, so now you want to put this on, you got a second chance, I vouch for you. Now you don't want to give John Mark, a young man who made a mistake, a second chance. Where's the grace, Paul? Where is it? But guess what? Some of us are kind of like Paul too. Some of us could be real funny when somebody offend us. And said, man, I ain't dealing with you no more. Man, Doug got on my nerve. I ain't talking to him no more. I'm out of here. Don't even look at me doing service. How can you come in here acting like that? Uh, you have to remember grace. You have to remember. Now, there are times people need to be held accountable when there's an offense. You follow Matthew 18 and go through that whole process. You go to the brother. You talk those things out. You can't talk it out. You bring another along with you. You can't solve it. You take it to the church. We know that process. But it's a hard thing to sit down and dialogue when your feelings are involved, when you feel you've been offended. 
But here's the thing. I want to encourage you to remember you made mistakes. We forget, especially, and this may be a little bit of a rabbit trail, so bear with me. We forget that we were young and foolish at some point. We weren't always standing up here with suits on, holding the mic, talking about praise the Lord. We weren't. I wasn't. I was a knucklehead. I'd be the first one to tell you. I told the brothers last week, I said, hey, if you go talk to some of the people from Cabrini Green that knew me coming up, and you told them that I was preaching the word of God, they would fall out. (laughs) What? Not Brandon Savage, that guy. He put this, this scar on my head right here. Not that guy, but but Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus was able to turn me around. And somebody gave me another opportunity. And that was the Lord. And people came along that ministered to me, that helped me walk. Some Barnabases came along and said, man, you don't have to do that. I could go down the list of folk that ministered to me and poured into my life. So I I, I want to encourage you to remember where you were and to remember that you made mistakes too. Now, again, the accountability piece has to be there. Folk have to be held accountable, but kind of extend some grace. Give some people some grace. My iPad is turning off right here. Bear with me a second. As we get ready to bring this thing home, I want, I want to give you some must-haves in regard to conflict. I want to give you some must-haves. Number one, we got to always remember the big picture. We got to always remember the big picture that is all about Jesus. You cannot forget that whether it's here in the church, here at home, at work, I don't care. It's all about Jesus. Your whole purpose in life is to bring glory to the Savior. That's your whole focus. It's not about you. And when God puts you in a work to do a work, uh, you got to stay the course. Even through the midst of conflict, we know that Paul and Barnabas, they separated, but they continue in the ministry. Now, there are some hints as to, you know, who the, the elders kind of lean towards. Because we hear more about Paul's ministry. Barnabas kind of fades out in the scene. It's not, we don't hear a lot about Barnabas going forward. But they continue. We do know that all three of those men, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark, continued in the ministry. They separated, but they kept doing the work. We got to always remember the big picture. And I want to tell you, um, my freshman year of college, I was at Camp Sunshine Wind over the summer, and um, I was a counselor. And the director, Terry Scudder, I love this man dearly. He's an old country, country dude, this big white beard and everything. So our person, now I'm a city boy. So we, we naturally, we butter heads. So this particular summer, Terry Scudder had, um, he, he, I, and I, I was, let me, let, me, let me set the table. I was kind of cocky. And I came in there like I knew everything. I went to Trinity and I was doing some things. I was a football player all this stuff. So I was walking around like I was the man on campus. So Scudder didn't like that. So me and Scudder butted heads and he said, you think you something, don't you? Tell you what, 
you take this clipboard and this whistle and you run this camp. I said, yes, sir, give me that. Yes, sir. I took that clipboard and we had the best week of camp that ever was. We had a blast. The kids were having fun. The word was being preached. And he sat there. He was like, hmm. <laughs> he, he was kind of figuring out how to get to me. And so the next week he decided, he said, I got you. I'm going to put you in the pole barn. And the pole barn was where all the tools were. All the uh, tractors and equipment and everything was kept. And it had a concrete slab, probably the half of this, the pulpit here, to this wall, from that wall. He said, I want you to break this concrete slab up every single day. And once you get done breaking it up, you're going to take all of the, the concrete chunks out, put it on that truck, and then you're going to prepare the surface for the new concrete. And this is just me. I got a sledgehammer beating on this thing. It's a hundred and I don't know how many degrees, and it's even hotter inside the pole barn. But I, but I wasn't going to let them break me. I said, nope, I'm going to do it. And I didn't complain for sun up to sundown. My wife would tell you, I was in that pole barn beating that slab, and I was thinking of him, and I was beating that slab. I ain't going to lie. I'm going to keep it real. I was upset, but I wasn't going to let them break me. And so I, this went on for about two weeks. I would wake up in the sundown, sun up, sundown, and do this job. So this, the third week he goes, man, I, 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 I don't know what he was thinking, but he was like, man, I'm not getting him. So they decided to say, now I want you to stop doing that. I want you to go to the lakefront now. I said, nope, I got to finish in the pole barn. It's like, what? I said, yeah, I got to finish. He said, no, you're going to go down to the lakefront. He had another young lady who was had taken my place as the uh, director. She said, no, you're going to go to the lakefront. And if you don't go, you're going home. And guess what? I sat there and pondered it. This older black man, he's probably in his 30s. He was a counselor. He came, he said, Brandon, let me tell you something. I've been watching this whole thing play out. And you might be right. You might be right. I see your perspective. But guess what? God's work will go on with or without you, and you will miss your blessing. And I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear it. I was right. He was wrong. I did what the man asked me to do, and I wasn't budging. And I went home. I wound up getting on the bus and going home, and I look back on that. It's like, man, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I, sh I should have stayed the course and worked that thing out, but my pride wouldn't let me do it. And I missed an opportunity. I could have reached more kids in those coming weeks and just humbling myself in that. Don't be like Brother Savage in that case, saints. I learned from that situation. The second point I want to make to you is that we must always look to reconcile. We must always look to reconcile, to restore the relationship. Don't run away and just like, man, leave that thing open. Pastor always talks about closure, closure in those things. We got to, as hard as it is, we got to come back to the table and begin to talk through those things and have some hard conversations. Put your feelings aside and always be looking and say, man, how can I reconcile? And say, let's, let's, let's get back at the table. Let's talk this thing out. And that's tough to do sometimes because folk get on your nerve when they step on your toes. And they open that wound, you're like, man, no, this is too deep. Mm-mm. Now, uh, they did it to me. 
But the text tells us that Paul and Barnabas, those guys reconciled. You say, Brandon, where do you, where do you find that? If you look at 2 Timothy 4.11, this is what Paul said. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me. So that's like, wait a minute, hold on. This was the guy that you said you didn't want to go. At. So that tells me that they reconciled. He also mentions Barnabas in 1 Corinthians 9, 6. It says this, it says, Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living, who serves as a soldier at, at his own expense, who plants a vineyard without eating any of his fruit, who tends a flock without getting any of his milk, so it tells me that he was, he was acknowledging uh, a Barnabas. So we know that there was some point of reconciliation. God expects us to reconcile. <laughs> he reconciled us to himself through his son. He expects us to do the same thing with other people. The third point I want you to inject is this. Grace. 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 Inject grace into the conflict. We know grace to be God's unmerited favor that he's poured out on us, a free gift that he gives us. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. He freely gives it to us day in and day out. And ultimately, he gave it through his son, dying on a cross for broken sinners like you and I, giving us a second chance. God expects us to be walking around with bottles like y'all carry y'all cell phones. He wants y'all to be carrying bottles of grace and sprinkling it on mugs, sprinkling mugs with grace, uh, grace, sprinkling people with grace. That's what God expects us to do, expects us to do that. I was driving as I bring this thing home. I know I said that earlier as I bring this thing home. Bear with me. Bear with me. I was driving home three weeks ago, and I'm going to keep it real with y'all. I never want to stand up here and act like I got it all together because I don't. I have some issues. But I was driving down 95th, and I, I picked up some supplies for some projects I'm doing at home, and I got the music playing. I'm, I'm in there bobbing and going. I'm thinking about all the things I got to do. I'm like, yeah. Next thing I know, I look through the rearview mirror, and the police is behind me. First thing I do is check the speedometer. I'm going 30 miles an hour because I know 95th. So I drop it down to 25 just to, be, just to be safe. I change lanes. He changed lanes. So I said, it's clear that he's following me. After five blocks, he pulls me over. The lights go on. So I'm going. The meter, my anger meter is going up. So I'm like, why is this man about to harass me? So I'm going, and he doesn't get out of the car right away. He's in there doing something, I guess punching my information in or something. So after about a minute or so, he gets out of the car. When he got to the car, I turned into the Incredible Hulk. I was like, why are you harassing me? I was doing nothing wrong. I'm driving the speed limit. And he just sat there with his arm folded, and I was like, yeah, that's your deacon, Pastor. <laughs> That's your deacon pastor. I'm sorry. But he was sitting there. He was like, and I'm going, I'm going in. I said, I'm going to get my cell phone, and I'm going to record this whole incident. And he was like, really? He said, can I talk now? I said, yeah, I want to know why you pouring me over. And so I'm spitting. You know, I'm, I'm just angry. I'm on 10. So he said, 
your plates are expired. I was like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Man, I sunk so low in my seat. If I could disappear, I was like, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, I felt so small. So he was like, man, have your, your license, your registration and insurance. I was like, sure, and sure enough, it was expired. So I had given him, gave it to him. I couldn't find the insurance card, so I'm calling Rochelle. So he was like, I'll get that later. So he goes back to the car. Make a long story short, he comes back. He says, did you know your plates was expired? I said, no. And I, I'm so sorry, man, for carrying on the way that I did. He said, well, looks like you're a good driver. So tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give you a warning. I said, I would have wrote me two tickets. I would have probably bust my tail, tail light and said, I would have wrote me all kind of tickets the way I just carried on. If y'all would have seen me, y'all would have been like that. He don't go to my church. I don't, he, don't go, he don't go to my church. Man, I was acting a fool. I sat there, and he was like, yeah, just go get it taken care of. I said, man, I'm so sorry. Maybe it's the steroids I'm taking. Uh, he was like, what? I said, no, 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 never, never mind. So I got in that car. The Lord spoke to me and said, man, that was grace. I don't know if that man knew Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, but that man showed me grace. I didn't deserve it. I did not deserve one bit of what that man did, but he showed me grace. So I want to challenge you all this morning, saints, to remember that, to extend grace through disagreements, through conflict. It's going to happen. And maybe you're here today. Maybe there's some uh, uh, open issues that you hadn't brought closure to. Maybe it's some folks that you need to have uh, some conversations with. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody that, man, I need to get back to the table with the big picture in mind. It is all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's all about him. And humble yourself. Humble yourself. Put your pride aside and say, man, let's talk this thing out. I didn't handle this the right way. It's difficult to own that. If that's you and you need prayer in this area, and I tell you, I, could, I put my hands up because I need prayer. I'm going to have to ask pastor to come up here and pray for me as I'm <laughs> talking to you all. Because I got some issues. I have some things. I, my pride sometimes get in the way. My wife would tell you. The board will tell you, I have some issues, and I know that I can't be the only one, can I? I guess so. Nobody's standing. <laughs> if you need prayer in that area, seriously, if you need prayer, you know, to have those difficult conversations, to work this thing out in terms of conflict, some situations that you might have open with other people, I want to pray for you. If you want to stand, if you want to say seated, you want to put yourself out there, that's okay too. That's between you and God. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for how we could open it and it speaks to us and it highlights some areas where we need to improve. We look at Paul and Barnabas and their situation and the conflict that they had and even through that conflict, Lord, they were able to continue doing the work because those men knew that there was 
a, a, a greater call at stake, that it wasn't about them, that the work of the ministry must go on, and that our lives are to bring glory to you. So those that are standing, Lord, I pray for them, pray for myself as well, that you would empower us to have those difficult conversations, that we would put our pride aside, Lord God, that we would humble ourselves, Lord, to work those things out, those issues. And as we do, Lord God, I pray that we would always be looking to extend grace, to give people second chances and not write them off. There are times of accountability, Lord, but we need to remember that we weren't always together. Lord God, that we still make mistakes. So, Lord, help us not to put a heavy weight on others that we can't carry ourselves. So, Father, I pray that you would empower the saints. Thank you for those that were willing to stand and say, hey, I got issues and need prayer in that area. May you be glorified what's done in each one of our lives. Let the church say amen, amen. Thank you.